Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy room today. You can just feel it in here. It's a lot of, lot of chattiness. Everybody must have had a good weekend. Give us another 60, they say. No, you get 60. Do the best you can. Hey, this is, this is Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the reason why we read Psalm 23 to begin the message. It's the reason why the first song talked about receiving the care of the Lord. Did you, did you notice that in the lyrics this morning? Like that God wants to care for us? Um, yeah, this is Good Shepherd Sunday, and the text this morning is John chapter 10, 1 through 10. The title of today's message is A Rich and Satisfying Life. I want to read the text to you, and then we're just going to go right into it. So, Cody, help me out here. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about having a rich and satisfying life. Uh, These words are evocative. They provoke images. Uh, They tap into our hopes and dreams. They they maybe even tap into that notion of the American dream, the idea that a person could start in one spot in their life and through hard work and dedication maybe find themselves in a better spot. But but when I was thinking about a rich and satisfying life uh, this week, there are some other images that sort of like matriculate through that phrase. And I think they're sort of like common in our culture. And, and one of the things I was thinking about this week is how many people are hoping for what I would call the Corona life, you know, a rich and satisfying life is to, is to end up on a beach. You know, you've seen the commercial, you, you're just sitting there and then on your right, who's there? It's Snoop. You're, you got your toes in the sand. Snoop is there. Have you noticed that there's no music in, the, in those Corona? Co- Why? It, there's just, it's just the ocean, baby. I got nothing to do. I just got my toes in the sand. Me and Snoop, we're kicking it. Or, or maybe, maybe your idea of a rich and satisfying life is this. I do what I want. For some, a rich and satisfying life is one where we increasingly 
do what we want. In fact, I had a conversation last week with someone who was about to retire and this person's, this person's like the thing they were most excited about in retirement was they finally get to do what they want. And I thought, wow, dang, bro, you're 70. You've spent 70 years and you've what, been chained? I don't know. It was a, it was a wild moment. Number three, maybe, maybe having a rich and satisfying life is, is just being rich. For others, a rich and satisfying life is one where we end up rich, where we have tons of excess money and excess time, and we have little to no responsibility. Or, or maybe, maybe your idea of a rich and satisfying life is, is just your family. It's one where we're surrounded by our family. Or, or maybe, maybe it has to do with the dreams that reside in your heart. For others, it's the chance to finally do the things that have been inside of us. Maybe start a particular business or write that book or live into some specific dream. But I have a couple questions this morning as it relates to a rich and satisfying life and as it relates to the cultural ideas of what that might be. Question number one, what if my, what if my life is only a Corona commercial for one week a year? Like, what if your idea of a rich and satisfying life is the Corona commercial, but what if after some reflection you realize you only get that one week a year and Snoop Dogg isn't there? <laughs> uh, and what about this? Uh, what, if I'm, what, if I'm ever, what if I'm never able to fully do what I want? What if, what if you live your whole life and you never get to do what you want? What if it's elusive? Or what about this? What if you end up doing exactly what you want and you find out it's not that great? Yeah, I mean, that happens a lot, by the way. A lot, of people, a lot of people climb the ladder of success and they get to the top and they find out that they've put the ladder on the wrong wall. Like, what happens? Oh, what about this? What if, what if I'm never rich? What if I'm always living month to month? Uh, what if I never make Dave Ramsey proud? <laughs> What, what, what about that, huh? And what if I don't have a family? You know, there's some people in this room and a lot of you have a family, but there's some other people in this room you don't have a family. And can I tell you something? What if you never have a family? What if, what if the mom and dad who, who brought you into this world, what if they're never a part of your life for the rest of your life? Uh, what, if, what, if your kids, what if your kids you have, what if they move away and they do what they want? There's a very good chance they're going to, by the way. Not only that, but what if you're not able to have children? Sometimes people are not able to have children. What about this? What if I never get the chance to start that business or write that book? What if? Does that mean a rich and satisfying life is out of reach for me? Is that what it means? Or said another way, are these the things that Jesus was thinking about when he gave this word? When Jesus said, you know what I want to do? I want to give people a rich and satisfying life. Here's what I want. I want people to do what they want. I want them to be rich. I want them to be on the beach with Snoop Dogg. I want them to be surrounded by their family. And I want them to have no responsibility. How many think that's what Jesus was talking about? Hmm, interesting. Yet inside of every human heart is an ache for those words, I think, I think even reading them this morning, you could tell it kind of landed in the room, didn't it? Like we want, we want to have a life where we're, where we're happy on the inside, like where there's something that's, that's deep inside of us that, that holds us up in stormy weather. 
And if we drill down past our initial reflexes of permanent vacation, everybody in the room sort of knows that a rich and satisfying life has something to do with things like connection to other people. Like, well, I don't know what a rich and satisfying life is, but I know it's one where we're connected, you know? And a rich and satisfying life has something to do with meaningful work. And it has something to do with sustainable rhythms. And, and here's a word you don't use often, but I know it has something to do with a rich and satisfying life. It has something to do with, with like Sabbath. Your life was meant for work, but it wasn't just meant for work. It was also meant for rest, but not too much rest. Uh, in fact, like, Part of what the Bible would say is you should work six times more than you rest. There might be something in that balance that would lead to a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life, we know on the inside it has something to do with connection to God. And we know that it has something to do with freedom, but we don't know exactly how to define that freedom. And we instinctively know it has something to do with things like love. And it has to do with service and giving and generosity Uh, We all know this, and yet we struggle to attain it. Rich and satisfying life seems to be elusive, and some of us experience it in moments, but but maybe we haven't experienced it in a sustained way, and and, and some of us maybe have never really had more than anything, maybe just a glimpse. We've never really held it. We've seen it from a distance. I was reading an article from the New Yorker this week, and um, it was a really interesting and troubling article. Um, It was uh, written by a couple economists who, for the last 15 years, have been studying this very strange phenomenon in America called deaths of despair. Does anybody here know what deaths of despair are? Deaths of despair are not like you wake up one morning and you have cancer and then you die, or you wake up and you have a heart attack and you drop dead. Instead, deaths of despair are deaths that are connected to Drug addiction, whether it's illicit drugs or actually increasingly prescription drugs. Deaths of despair are deaths that are associated with toxic liver failure from alcohol consumption. Uh, Deaths of despair are, are, are those deaths that are connected to suicide. And here's what's wild. In the last 15 years here in America, while our, while our economic benefit has become increased. Like while, while there's been more money made, uh, even by more people, uh, there's been this really weird thing that's happened. Uh, our, our life expectancy here in America has not been increasing the way it was. And in fact, in the middle 2010s, it flatlined and then went down. And here's why it went down, directly connected to deaths of despair. Now, we live in the West, and not only do we live in the West, but we live here in the United States where where in the fabric of our American notion is that thing of the American dream, which is trying to, I think, attach itself to a rich and satisfying life, where, where everything is pointed to you being able to have a rich and satisfying life. And isn't it interesting that in the country that supposedly is the zenith of that, people are increasingly unable to attain it, and they're deciding what would be better is if I didn't exist. I want to read you just one little moment from this article. In 2013, Agnes Deaton published a sweeping economic history, The Great Escape, which traced the way people had become healthier and wealthier in the past couple of centuries, though at a cost of economic equality, 
So the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And during his research, he noticed that people's happiness was largely disconnected from this story. As wealth, as wealth rose, so did health and quality of life, but happiness did not follow. Insert deaths of despair. So where do we start? Where do we start if we want to have a rich and satisfying life? And who gets to define it? And what is the measure by which we judge? And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to share a couple things from the text that give us access to this kind of life. And I want to start here with the very words of Jesus in this awesome text this morning. Awesome and a little bit confusing. I hope you noticed it when we were reading earlier. I, I want to start here with this this morning, uh, a gate and a shepherd. Uh, Jesus says two things in this text about himself. Did you notice this when you read it? If you read these 10 verses really slowly and carefully, and if you were to extend it past verse 10 into verse 11 and 12, specifically, you'll notice that Jesus says two things about himself in this text. Number one, number one, he says that he is the gate. And number two, he says that he is the shepherd. And he sort of like flip-flops. If you've ever read this really carefully, you'll notice that he's like, well, I'm the gate. Anybody who doesn't come in by the gate is a thief and a robber. And by the way, I'm also the shepherd, right? So Jesus is the gate and Jesus is the shepherd. And here's what I want you to imagine this morning. I want you to imagine like rolling wild wilderness hills of green pastures. And then somewhere in that little pastoral landscape, I want you to imagine a little sheep pen, like a little fenced area. And the only way into that sheep pen is there's like one gate and you can get into the sheep pen and, and maybe you need to go into the sheep pen at night because it's safer. You know, if we all stay together, it's safer. Animals know this. Uh, you get in there and, and the shepherd is in there. And that's what I want you to imagine. And Jesus says that he is not only the shepherd, but he's also the gate. And if he's the gate, here's what that means. It means he's the way in. But then in verse 2 and in verse 11, he's the shepherd. And that's very different. Gates are fixed. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but gates don't move around. Uh, you, you, you build a gate this afternoon somewhere in your yard or on your farm. You come back tomorrow, the gate will still be there. Uh, shepherds, on the other hand, are not fixed. They can go anywhere they want. They can do whatever they want. And in using these two kinds of images in reference to himself and the life that he gives to the flock, we need to sit here for a minute because Jesus is saying something similar, but he's saying two very different things about what a rich and satisfying life might mean for you and I. Number one, gates. Gates are fixed. We've already said that. They're unmoving. Uh, they're singular. And in relation to the pen, they are narrow. Got this wide, big, round pen. You got a gate. It's narrow. Uh, they are the point of entry into the pen where there's safety. And they're the point of exit into the wide, wide world that the shepherd leads the flock out into. Uh, and this morning, what Jesus says about the gate is this, that he is the gate. And in this image, Jesus is saying something about himself, but also he's saying something about what it takes to have a rich and satisfying life. And I just want to I want to spell this out for us a little bit this morning. A rich and satisfying life, number one, is connected to Jesus. Number one is connected to Jesus. But if we use this gate image 
we have to say it like this. A rich and satisfying life is singularly connected to Jesus. One gate, singular Jesus, unmoving Jesus, never changing Jesus. The same Jesus who's there in the morning, same Jesus who's there in the afternoon, who will be there in another week of the narrow, exclusive, particular, and singular Jesus. Jesus is saying, when he says that he's the gate, he's saying there is one way into a rich and satisfying life. There are not many ways into a rich and satisfying life. There is one, and it is him. Singular, exclusive, and particular. Now, this moves against everything in our culture. Our culture wants to say there are many ways. There are many ways. There are many gurus. There are many paths. I want you to know this morning, there are not many paths. It is singular, exclusive, and particular. It is a gate. And if you want into the safety and the care of the shepherd, you have to go through that gate. You have to go through Jesus. You must go through Jesus. Never changing Jesus. Narrow. A rich and satisfying life is found by entering the one gate. There's not another. Anything else, Jesus says, is a robber and a thief. Any other way in will actually take away from you. That's what Jesus is saying. It'll actually, rather than give to you, it will, it will take from you. One gate, one Jesus. A rich and satisfying life is connected to this particular, singular, and exclusive person. Here's what I want to say to the church this morning. Don't trust the other voices. Don't trust the other voices. Don't listen to the other gurus. There's not another way. There's not another voice. There's not another guru. There's not another approach. It might sound good, but it's a thief and a robber. They might pique our interest, but Jesus is the way. And some of us at this point might be thinking, dang, dang, that feels really small or really narrow or old fashioned or constrained. Somebody in the word say, Somebody in this room say constrained. Some of us might hear what I've just been preaching. You might think, that feels really old-fashioned, Adam. That feels really small. It feels really narrow. It feels really constrained. And here's what I want to tell you. It is. It is. But here's the paradox in the passage this morning. Here's the paradox for us if you have ears to hear. And it's this. A rich and satisfying life requires restraint. You can't have a rich and satisfying life without some constraint, without the narrowness of the gate and without the particular borders of the sheep pen. Everyone who wants a rich and satisfying life needs constraint. A rich and satisfying life isn't a borderless life. It isn't one without boundaries or edges that are highly defined. Uh, The best art is made within the constraints of the borders of the canvas. The best music is made within the constraints of the musical scale. You can't just go up to the piano and play any note you want. Can you, do you know that? You, you can't just walk up to the piano this morning and play any note in relation to any other note. It will sound like garbage. You actually need the constraint of the scale and the key you're in. Beauty comes from constraint. It's not unlimited choices. It is creatively living inside limited choices. The best films submit to the constraints of budget and time. The best movies, the best movies are made with a particular budget in a, comp- in a particular amount of time. That's the way this thing works. And the best life 
has a border and a boundary to it. The best marriages submit themselves to the constraints of fidelity and faithfulness. You know, that's just the way it works. That's the way it works. And it starts right at the beginning with the gate we enter, who is Jesus himself. He even said it's a narrow way. In another, part, in another passage, he said, look, the way I go, it's a narrow way. You have to enter through the gate. So number one, Jesus says he's the gate. Particular, exclusive, narrow. And the constraint is actually the way you have a rich and satisfying life. You got you to gotta constrain. But then there's also this other image, and it has to do with the shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the gate, but he also says, I'm the shepherd. And when you meet the shepherd, well, the shepherd's kind of different. He moves around. He leads the sheep into the pen, but he also takes them out of the pen. And, he, and he, moves, he moves the sheep out into the world where there isn't a pen anymore, and there's more freedom. He takes the sheep out into green pastures. That's what we read this morning in Psalm 23. And so we meet here a bit of paradox in God's kingdom. Uh, it goes something like this. If you want to experience the wide open spaces, you first have to submit to the narrow way. This is how it works uh, in your life. And it'll be repeating patterns of this over and over again. If you want the wide open spaces and if you want the freedom of God's kingdom, you'll first have to submit to the constraints of God's kingdom. Uh, you have to submit to the gate that is Jesus. When you submit to the gate, then all of a sudden you meet the shepherd who takes you out past the gate. And, and I, would, I would even say to the church this morning, uh, there's a way in which this is, this is in line with our spiritual development. Uh, we know this especially with the development of, of children. Uh, can I tell you what children need? Children need lots of constraint. They need sharp borders and boundaries. And then as you get older, the borders and boundaries change. They're there, but they're, it's just a wide open space, isn't it? Right? Here's what happens when you become a Christian. You need the highly defined borders and boundaries of the narrow gate. And without losing those, we meet the shepherd who moves us out into the world where we're not just fenced in anymore, but we're actually pinned in by his voice, where he's leading us with his, with his voice. Did you notice that in this passage, he says, my sheep know me and they won't even listen to another one. They'll run away from that one, right? Yeah, that's what God wants to do. He wants, he wants to bring you in through the narrow way and then he wants to lead you out into freedom where we're listening to his voice. So if you want to experience wide open spaces, you first have to submit to the narrow way. If you want to be led by the shepherd, you first have to come through the gate. You start with the narrow and you get the wide. You start with constraint and you get freedom. You begin with the singular and it leads to possibilities. A rich and satisfying life is one where you submit to the constraint. And a rich and satisfying life is one where we learn to live within the wider constraints of the shepherd's leading. Can I tell you something? Listen, don't ever forget this. You start with the small and Jesus said, you'll get more, right? That's, that's, it's all the way through Jesus's teaching. You start with the narrow and you'll get the wide. You start with the gate, you'll get the shepherd. But let me tell you this, it doesn't work the other way around. You cannot, you cannot start with the wide and end up with the constraint. 
You will end up with some constraint, but it'll be the very ones you do not want. Always, always, always start with the constraint of God's word. Start with the constraint of the person of Jesus. Start with the constraint and the borders of Jesus' teaching, uh, the borders of his person, uh, the way that he demonstrates in his own life. If you start there, you will get the unlimited freedom and possibilities that exist from his leadership. If you run away from Jesus into the wide, wide world, you will eventually find constraint and it'll be the ones you don't want. The constraints you'll find will be rather devastating. A rich and satisfying life is connected to the shepherd's care. So we have the gate, it's a way in, constraint leading to freedom. But a rich and satisfying life is also just one where we receive the shepherd's care. And abundant life is, is not the one I make up on my own. This is part of what it means to be a Christian. Like, like there's this sense in which everybody in the room has agency and you're responsible for your life. Like God gives you the gift of being in charge of your life. But there's also this other part, and this is where the mystery comes in. There's this other part. For those who belong to Jesus, like your life is not your own. And my life is not my own. He's actually caring for us, and he actually wants to be the one who's in charge. It's the one where I let Jesus lead me and care for me. I, one of the questions I've been thinking about this week for the church is this. Do you know that Jesus wants to care for you? Like he wants to care for you in the particulars of your life. Do you know that Jesus has a plan for your life that's better than the one that you or I could imagine or dream? Like Jesus has a plan. Jesus has an opinion. And he knows where the green pastures are. And he knows where the peaceful streams are. And you can trust him. And, and you know why? Uh, here's why you can trust Jesus. It's because of what he says in verse 11. We won't put it up this morning. But Jesus says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. This is why you can trust Jesus. He's the shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. Every other shepherd eventually takes the sheep for himself. You know, if you're a shepherd, one of the reasons you have the sheep is you eventually want to eat them. That's why you have them. You drink their milk, you take their wool, and a couple times a year, you eat their meat. Delicious. But Jesus is trustworthy because he's not the shepherd who's living off the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd whose sheep are living off of him. He wants to care for you, and this is why you can trust him. He's the one who's going to lay his life down for the sheep. He's the prism. He's the prism. Make no mistake, a rich and satisfying life is not always easy and carefree either. We the more we receive from his life, the more we enjoy his care, the more we let the kingdom of God, the care of the shepherd, replace every other definition of what good is. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the more difficulty that comes into our life. And can I say this? Sometimes a rich and satisfying life is actually one that is difficult. Like sometimes the good stuff happens in hardship. Did you notice that in Psalm 23, it begins with, he leads me to green pastures, he takes me to peaceful streams, and then all of a sudden what happens? Ah, oh, he leads me through the valley of the shadow, 
And did you notice that it says in Psalm 23 that it's not that we get lost and find the valley of shadow, but he actually takes us there? Can I tell you something? Sometimes Jesus will lead us into a life that is actually more difficult. And it is still the rich and satisfying life. It is still the rich and satisfying life. And here's why it's still the rich and satisfying life. Because he's with us. That's what it says in Psalm 23. It's what Jesus promises here in John chapter 10. I will be with my flock. The more difficulty that comes into our lives at times, sometimes this is the fulcrum by which God is doing his deepest work. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but what? But your will. Yeah. How many of you know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, as difficult as it was, Jesus was living the rich and satisfying life? Yes. Why? Because he was submitting himself to the will of God. And God has a better plan for you than you have for you. Uh, Sometimes the journey to green pastures cross the valley of the shadow. And sometimes the journey to abundance has a turn we didn't expect. And here's what I want the church to know, that Jesus is caring for us even in difficulty. Uh, It was in the wilderness that Israel had manna. It was in the wilderness that that Israel had manna. Uh, It was was in the wilderness that Israel had a cloud by day and a fire by night. Uh, It was in the wilderness that that water came out of the rock. It it was in the wilderness that God was, was most visibly present with with Israel. And it was in the promised land where God said to Israel, you'll make your own bread now. Uh, You'll farm your own land. Can I tell you something? Sometimes in difficulty, God is most near to us. And that's ultimately the rich and satisfying life. It's the one where we're held in his care. The one where we are near to him. So here's what I want to say to the church as we land this morning. Rich and satisfying life. Number one, it's connected to God. It's specifically connected to Jesus and no one else. To Jesus and no one else. Uh, Entering into the constraint. Number two, entering into the constraint of the narrow way is how we find the wide open spaces of freedom in God's kingdom. Experiencing the freedom of Jesus' leadership, it first comes with constraint. And then number three, receiving the tender care of Jesus, uh, it's his promise. And here's what that means. It just means it's not all up to me. It's not all up to me, not just in an obedience way, but even in an imagination way. God has an imagination for my life. It's better than my own, even as good as mine can be. And then finally, a rich and satisfying life, it's one where we're close to God, even in difficulty. Like, what is a rich and satisfying life? It's not, it's not the corona life. A rich and satisfying life is not permanent vacation. A rich and satisfying life is not one where I turn 72 and do what I want. A rich and satisfying life is one where I enter into the constraint of Jesus' way only to find the unimaginable freedom of God's kingdom. A rich and satisfying life is one where I am connected to God and I find him most present in difficulty. A rich and satisfying life is one where I'm not always having to care for myself, but where Jesus is caring for me. There's someone who's smarter and who has a better vision and more imagination than me. 
That's a rich and satisfying life. And here's what that means. It means if you have no family, if you never have kids, if you don't have money, if you never get rich, if you never can go on a corona vacation, if you, if you, if you never have ultimate agency, if there's always somebody telling you what to do, it means that in all of those circumstances, everyone in the room can still have a rich and satisfying life. And this is the good news. Glenjamin. And band. Hey, wasn't the band great this morning? Dang. So good. So good. Uh, Why don't we stand this morning? We're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God would give us the rich and satisfying life. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.